Thank you. <laughs> Fire word. <laughs> How are you guys? Excited? Yeah, really excited? Do you wish you were in Maui right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. I'm not a super beach guy, so... Yeah, I like the snow, though, so... Um, yeah, guys, my name's Daniel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, if I don't know you, I'd love to meet you sometime. My wife's at home right now with the kids, but I know she'd love to meet you. Um, currently a missionary with Continents for Christ. Um, and I did tell the first service, I'm looking for more missionaries. So the harvest is ripe, the laborers are few. Very true for my ministry right now. So um, if you are stirred for missions, I'd love just, just to meet you and... Um, we could talk, no pressure, of course, but you know, one day Todd, well, Todd wants me to preach on missions sometime. I don't, I don't feel released to today, but, you know, we're very passionate about worship and prayer here, but my hope is this church, we would, wouldn't just be those who pray, we would also go. And um, really, you can't separate the prayer movement from missions movement. You, you can't, you can't, we, so it's, they're directly connected I call it a wedding, really, like a husband and a wife. Um, so um, Corey's standing up prophetically, so uh, he's a missionary. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I'm joking. Um, I, just one more note on that. I've been into these. I love traveling. You know, it's hard to travel to a lot of places right now, but I've been watching these walking tour videos on YouTube, Just really cool. It's like someone puts a GoPro on their head and, like, walks through Rome or, like, some beautiful place, and you're like there. It's like you're there, right? It's so cool. I was watching some in India because I really want to preach the gospel in India. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, there's people walking by, right? And and I'm like, wow, none of these people know Jesus, probably. You know, st- statistically at least. And I'm like, you know, if the reality is, is they're not going to know unless someone tells them, right? So that's our calling. And um, I hope we could send waves of people out of this church to the nations, not just the random person like Corey or myself, but we would, um, that, that multitudes would go. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, cool. You can go to um, Mark chapter 5, and um, got a good message today, I hope. Uh, let me pray as you go there. Mark 5. Um, tw- 21, thank you. Mark 5, 21. Janice, you're here for two services. Awesome. <laughs> De- very dedicated. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for today. We, I just bless everyone here. Yeah, thank you they're here. Thank you for what you're doing in their homes, their families. We bless Pastor Todd and Jana, their, their sons as well. We pray not just a physical rest, but a spiritual rest, that they could come back really just not just charged up and ready to go, but overflowing, Lord, that you would double, I ask for a double portion anointing for everything they carry, Lord, everything, when they come back, it would be an increase, Lord. Thank you for them. We bless them. We just pray for the word. I pray you'd speak to hearts today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, I last spoke in November. Um, I did share this with First Service to who... Abby, you can't answer this, or Casey. Who, re- who knows my favorite donut? Who remembers? Kara, quick. 
Maple bar? No, that's a sin. No. Huh? Boston cream. Sarah gets the star. So, uh, Judy Mill, I don't think she's here. She actually brought me a Boston cream. So, <laughs> cool. Thank you guys. Um, I love donuts. I'm trying to lose weight now, but um, anyways, I've been. Uh, it's been an interesting like few months for my family. You know, I had a, our second child, a daughter, in the end of December. And if you ever, you know seen a birth, or I'm sure, you know, the moms here would agree, it's such a supernatural experience, right? Like seeing a, a child just come out of a human, it's, it's a miracle. There's, there's really no other way of, of, of placing it. Um, also, this past few weeks, some of you know, I've had a, like a few of my older relatives have passed away. Um, I've actually was in the ICU yesterday with my grandma. She has COVID. The doctors think she's not going to live, but she's not struggling with breathing at all, so it's really strange. Um, she's very old, though, so, we're, you know, she's 96, so who knows what to pray for, but we're praying that she just, that God's will will be done. But whenever you're near death, if you've been near death, you know it makes you f- just think about eternity, right? Because, you know, one day that's going to be you. Hopefully not in a hospital bed, hopefully not sick with a disease, but one day, you know, you know we will all will pass. Um, likewise, there's other experiences where we kind of encounter heaven or encounter eternity, like worship. You, know, you all know when you encounter a profound worship moment, suddenly you're like, you know, it's like you're in another realm almost. It's like you're filled with faith. You walk out kind of changed, like just on fire for the Lord. Or I, I remember another example. The first time I saw a demon get cast out of someone, I was 20 years old. I remember driving home like midnight and I was like, whoa. Like, I, it was like I had 100% faith. It was like no like veil or kind of this, almost this blanket of, you know, the worldliness that kind of gets on you of distraction and stuff. It was like, full of faith, and, and I, was, I was, you know, with my grandma yesterday, I was just thinking about her. It's like, if I was in her shoes, and she wasn't even awake at the moment, um, what would I be thinking about, right? What would I, like, I know I'm going to heaven. That's not an, a worry of my concern, but the question would be, like, how well did I live my life? I think it would be a time of reflection, hopefully not a time of regret, and what I'm talking about today is faith, like the, the idea of a, the journey of faith. And really the, my desire for my family and hopefully for you is that when it is time to meet my maker, so to speak, that I know I would have lived a life of faith and dependency upon Jesus Christ. And it's easy in our world to just, you know, we, we come to church, we go home, we pray maybe, but are we filled up and overflowing with faith in Jesus? And I think that's just a question we have to ask ourselves personally. Like when, when it's time for me to go, will I be known not for my 401k, my retirement plan, my legacy that I'm handing financially, or my, my success in my career, or, or different aspects of even my personality or or, or whatever it may be, I hope people will know that we are men and women of faith. Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about that today, so it'll be, it'll be good. Um, let's read, and um, we'll kind of break it down. Um, Mark 5, 21. 
I'll go to the end of the chapter. It'll be kind of a, a longer stretch, but maybe some of the most famous miracles in, in, in the gospel. This is in the thick of Jesus' ministry. And as we read this, let's don't just read it as a, as a Bible story. I want to read me and you in the story. So we're going to read about a few people. This is us, personally. Not just some, you know, th- them. This is, this is we. This is us. Amen? Okay. So, verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Verse 31. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Amen. Powerful. And we'll keep going. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Mm. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they had came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and, and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they had laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Amen. Powerful. All right, powerful miracles, right? Um, I just love the description. Many people preach this, you know, especially the woman, like, it's time to get our encounter. Come and touch her, her robe. I'm, I really want to focus on the idea today of the journey of faith, um, I kind of want to first define faith. It's a huge topic, and we could spend, you know, days talking about it. But um, just to preface, I really want to emphasize faith, not just an attribute someone has, but faith is, I like defining it more as trusting in God, that, that trust implies that relational peace with Jesus. So it's not just like I have some secret mojo power. 
No, I, I have this trust in a person in Jesus. Because you can't have faith apart from him. It gets a little weird. But Jesus' invitation is, would you trust me? So there's many verses on faith in the Bible. Um, for example, like, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, the righteous will live by faith. We know throughout the Gospels, Jesus was actually at times impressed by faith. You know, Hebrews 11 has a whole chapter on faith exploits. I think it's interesting. It's like there's not a chapter like it in the Bible that just lists like, they call it the hall of faith. Just these people that just wrecked the world in a good way for faith, trusting in God. There's not a chapter like it where it lists people who loved God radically or, or prayed all the time. It was people who, who lived by faith and were called to live the same way. Um, faith, um, John Wimber once said, you've probably heard, faith is spelt R-I-S-K, risk. So it costs you something. Faith, as it says in Hebrews, it's this you know, confidence in things we hope for, this assurance of things unseen. So in circumstances when you know, I have God's promises, but it seems the opposite is happening. That's the invitation to trust God and to have faith. So it's risky. It doesn't make sense. The world laughs at it. It thinks it's foolish. But God's asking us to lean on him, to trust in him. Um, so the question is, do we have faith? Jesus actually said, when the Son of Man returns, will I find faith on the earth? I think that's a personal question. Or, like my grandma, if it's time for you to pass away, will you pass away full of faith? I really want to emphasize, you know, our children, as many of you, you're older, you have families. Our children need to see parents walking in faith. We have a lot of religion in this country. We send our kids to Bible studies. We indoctrinate them with the word for good, probably. <laughs> But they need to see the word expressed. They need to see faith in action. They need to see mama and daddy risking it all for Jesus, making a fool of themselves for the gospel. Because that speaks more than any sermon, more than any Bible study. It's their parents trusting in God. Because why though? Trust implies relationship. They get to see your relationship actually in work, in action, demonstrated. Not just, don't sin, be a good boy, go to church. None of that worked on me. And I don't think it works on your children either, for the record. <laughs> what works is encountering God's presence and seeing faith in action, in my, my humble opinion. So, so we want to grow in faith. We want to leave a legacy of faith. My granddad, and I will get into the word in a second. My other granddad who passed away on my mom's side, he got saved, I think it was like 33, at a Billy Graham crusade, first Christian in his family. I probably wouldn't be a Christian if it wasn't for him. You know, his whole family eventually got saved, and then it was just the domino effect. When he passed away, he was known for his faith. Like, he was an evangelist. We told stories about him sharing the gospel. He, he gave radically, generously. He wasn't a wealthy man on earth. But he was a man full of faith, full of faith. So I hope when, when it comes to that point, people would, they would tell similar stories about you and I. 
Um, what I want to emphasize today is faith isn't just a momentary encounter. It's a process of believing in Jesus. Often we say, well, do you have faith? I want to redefine it. Are you faithing? Like it's a progressive action as we're going to look here in a second. It's not just a moment. It's not just an encounter. There's a process, a journey of believing and trusting in Jesus. We see here with, with Jairus, it's not like he just showed up at Jesus' feet and was like, you know, heal my daughter. You know, he had a, first of all, to great risk, which we'll talk about in a little bit, he had to leave his home and go find Jesus. There was a journey involved of him being determined to find Jesus, to see his daughter healed. We know he eventually falls at his feet and he asks Jesus, Jesus is like, yeah, let's go. Then what happens? The bad report comes. The, the, the negative outcome, the thing he wasn't hoping for happened. His daughter died. You can imagine if you're a parent like that, like what do you, how do you even process that in the moment? And Jesus is like, I, you can tell, read between the lines. You're starting to freak out. Don't fear just believe. See, many, many of us, we stop right there. We give up. We quit in the journey. Again, the process, the faithing. Because that's, we don't just want to interact with God and talk to him a little bit. And maybe we get our little encounter. No, we want to get him into our circumstance. We want to bring him into our home where the, the promise, the dream, the desire in our heart seems dead and gone. When suddenly Jesus can bring us resurrection life and change something that seems impossible and make it happen. But so many of us on the journey of faith, we can stop halfway like Jairus almost did. Right? You can see that, that tension. When, when suddenly in the natural it seems too far gone, Jesus' word over us is, would you believe? He actually says in John 11, the one work is to believe. That's our job, is to believe. We see with the woman here, you know, 12 years of suffering. It's interesting. Again, the journey for her. You can just picture her. I don't, I don't know. I picture her a little older for some reason. Like she sees the crowd at the distance, right? And it's like a mob, right? There's probably hundreds of people you can just see her, right? Just, she has to walk over there. Do you guys understand? For her to even get near this crowd is a shame on her. In Jewish law, she is like a leper. She is not supposed to be near anyone, let alone a rabbi like Jesus. That is, I mean, she probably could be killed for this action. Of course, Jesus, you know, he's, he's different, right? This took great risk for her. She, she, this journey she was on, she had to walk there. It says the crowd, there was a crowd. She says the crowd was pressing in on Jesus. It wasn't like he's just like sitting on like a throne with his feet kicked up. No, she had to like make her wave probably through people who were bigger than her, stronger than her. Just to lay hold of the garment. She had to be determined on this journey, and so many of us, it's like when we see the opposition, we're like, oh, I guess it's not for me. We stop halfway on the journey. We get the word in church. We get the prophecy. We, 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 we get the vision, 
or, or, or maybe suddenly, like I shared earlier, we, it's like we get a glimpse of heaven and we leave filled with faith. And then Monday morning comes and we got to walk it out. Sometimes we get the instant, like, you know, sometimes Jesus did. It was just the sudden boom. Everything shifts. Often in my life, there's a process. There's a journey. Why? Because Jesus loves journeys with us. Because it requires relationship. It requires listening, knowing, interacting with him. It requires us trusting him, <laughs> which he loves so much. But that's our invitation, right? So, so often we, you know, we, we get stirred up and maybe our business is struggling or it seems like our children are, are too far gone for the Lord or, or there's a health crisis like this woman. And we do, we, you know, we've all been there. We get all stirred up and filled up. I remember once I was struggling with depression and man, I could have the most powerful prayer times over it. You know, you get blasted by the Lord. You, you get a cool scripture but I really struggled living it out the next day. It's like I was back still in the same pit, you know. And there were reasons for that. I eventually got healing and, and deliverance. But the question for all of us is when we face these challenges in life, are we just going to live off of a momentary encounter or are we going to journey with Jesus in faith over time? Amen. <laughs> Even now, like, you guys, there's a few practical examples. When you get saved, you know, I've traveled, I've been a missionary, I've preached the gospel to a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people come to Christ. The sad thing is, is I know in my mind when I preach, most of these people won't last. So I purposefully preach when I preach the gospel the idea, it's not just a one and done, a, like a get out of jail free card. No, it's the lifestyle of following Jesus. Will you give your life to him to follow him? Because when I got saved radically on an airplane, it could have been a momentary encounter that I just let go, that slipped through my hands. I chose, you know, to journey with Jesus. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm leading a ministry now. I have impossibilities Every day that I face, I need more people, like I mentioned. I don't know how to do that. How do, I, how do you tell people, quit your job, come follow me? Let's, you can't put like a Craigslist ad. I, I guess you could, but it, it'd be cool. Maybe I should do that, but um, there'd be some interesting people would sign up. Probably the type of people Jesus would, you know, like the disciples, right? Kind of, they got some issues, but... Well, there's a journey, right? I can't do that in my own strength. It's an impossibility facing me that I need God. I need, I need his answers. I need his wisdom. It's a journey. I, I have to stay in faith. I can't grow in despair or discouragement because when I do, I begin to shrink back and not, not walk the way or, or lead the ministry the way the Lord has called me to. So we see here, we have like a story of two people and there's this cool setting that I just played out. But where does this journey really take place? It takes place right here. The battlefield's in the mind. Their doubts, their discouragements, that opposition, the wonderings, the what-ifs, all happens up here in the mind. The belief 
You know, it's not something you necessarily see in the natural. It's something that's in your heart. It's in your mind. That's where the enemy resists you. You know, when you have a challenge in your life, the doubts come, the fears come. There may be a real-life circumstance in your business, in your house. But the fight is up here. As Joyce Meyer wrote a book, The Battlefield of the Mind. And it is a fight. It's a fight of faith. I think a lot of us, we've probably heard messages on, like, your thought life and taking thoughts captive. But if you're like me, I'm very sloppy with it. It's like, I just, see, this is how the enemy comes. I call it, like, he comes with, like, a truth sandwich. He wraps his demonic thinking with truth. Like Jairus here. She died. True, right? That's the truth. That's the meat. The enemy packages it with the fear, with the hopelessness, with the discouragement, and he just sends it. And then we often receive it because we think it's true. But Jesus is like, oh, oh, there's a higher truth. Capital T. That's me. My promises don't change. Trust in me. Trust in the truth in the midst of these true circumstances that are real. This woman was struggling for 12 years with a disease. So that's the challenge, but kind of the picture I have, and I'm just trying to, you know, make it real for us, guys, is I, I feel like some of us are getting bullied by the enemy in our minds. It's like, I have this picture, I don't know why, it's kind of weird. It's like the enemy's got some of us like a rubber chicken, and he's got us by the neck, and he's just... Got, the, got his grip. That's just how he works, right? He, he's violent. He's aggressive. It, it is a war. It's a fight. It's not, it's not something so often we'll be like, oh, Lord, help. No, the enemy comes after us with aggression. When the thought comes, when, 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 when the doubt, when the fear, when the discouragement, when the hopelessness, as Paul says, it's time to lift up the shield of faith. Because the kingdom of God, it says it's violently advancing, and the violent take it by force. It's not a, a passive entering. It's, it's something that requires you to change your lifestyle. Maybe you have like swirling thoughts going on in your mind where there's just like you've tried. And I understand there has been this tried, but that's how the enemy works. It's a journey of faith. He'll go the journey with us because he knows we may may be strong in the beginning, but we may probably give up halfway. He'll play the long road with us. I have this picture, guys. When I've lived in China, I've traveled many times. Um... China's like a newly, like, first world country, right? So it's a little wild on the outskirts. It's a little, little wild. For example, like, lines are kind of new. It, in my city, they didn't know lines. Like, getting on, lining up for the bus. You don't line up. You run. Like, literally, the airplane landed in my small town. People would sprint down the aisle to be the first in line. So it's like this kind of, <laughs> it's like they are, it's like a mob in this, this example. We see here the woman. If you want to get on the bus in China, you got to get aggressive. You got to get violent. 
You got to move your weight around. These grandmas, these Chinese, they literally aren't elbows out. They will linebacker you. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's like that in many countries around the world. If, if you're from a different country or you've traveled, it's not this nice little, you know, like Americans, we're like, you know, like, you're not going anywhere. You're not. Maybe at midnight you'll finally get on the bus. Like, I, it's such a picture for our faith, guys. Like, if you want to win the war of faith, if you want to fight the good fight of faith, it's going to take some aggression on your part. Like, you got like to get some people out of the way. The enemy doesn't want you getting on your bus. There's opposition, like this woman here. She had to press in. She had to get physical. <laughs> Maybe we're getting it. <laughs> For example, so it is a war. It's a, it's a war. The enemy wants your faith. Faith, another definition, is worship. Like you can sing a song or you can go live a lifestyle of worship, trusting in God, believing in him. That, that's worship. In my opinion, that's like the purest form of worship is just believing in him wherever we are, whatever we're doing through any and every circumstance. But the enemy wants your worship. Of course he does. He's a counterfeit. We know that. But when I approach this, my, this battle for my faith, this journey, when I face these circumstances, I feel like in more the charismatic realm of, of Christianity, you know, we love like talking about warfare and like, like doing, you know, Christian kung fu and it's very popular, right? And we need to know our authority in Christ. Don't get me wrong. But listen to this. I war... To get into a place of resting. Warring isn't the goal. So often, like, when we do our, like, our fervent prayer time and we're declaring God's promises, that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But when I leave, I should be leaving in a place of faith and trust and rest in Jesus Christ. In other words, when I get out of my prayer closet, I should be more in a place of hope and trust than when I went in. But so often we make the prayer time or the worship service the goal. And I'm talking about walking through our circumstances here. My goal is to be in a place of faith and belief. That's the goal. That's the work. It's, it's that confidence. It's the one work Jesus says we need to do is we need to stay in that place of trusting him. Yeah, we see that with Jairus too. It was a challenge for him, you know, to trust. See, many people were actually crowding around Jesus at the time. Like many, it's in, you know, Jesus even said the woman, he's like, the disciples were astonished. He's like, Lord, there's some, everyone's touching you. She got the touch. She, she lay hold, she, she lay, as it says in many times, she lay held of the master's garment. As it says so eloquently, like, she got the touch. She pressed through, right? The goal wasn't just interacting with Jesus with just praying or, or, or just, you know, being a bystander and, and just observing. It was, no, how do I get victory in my life? 
How do I get transformation where I am resting in him, where I am walking with him, where I'm not just being bullied by the enemy out of my calling, out of the promises of God, but how, like Jairus, how do I get Jesus into my home? I'm not content with just a prayer time. There were maybe thousands interacting with Jesus in this moment. And that's a picture. There's a difference between interacting with Jesus and then getting him in to the innermost part of your home where suddenly everything changes and heaven comes. That's what we want, right? <laughs> I think. I think so. So another, I talked about like the old, the old grandmas. There's a verse, you know, and you can read Hebrews 11. It's an incredible chapter. Hebrews 12, it's really the same chapter. We just add chapters for some reason to make it easier. It says, in light, it says, therefore, so in light of all this faith, what does it say? Throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you and run this race with perseverance, right? There's that journey piece. You know, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is who? The author and the perfecter of what? Faith. We've got to throw it off, guys. I feel like there's things we're like tripping up on. There's that, it's violent, right? You don't just throw something off like, you know, you're like putting it down gently. No, there's this violence. There's this, there's this like determination that we will get breakthrough in our mind, in our thinking over these, these swirling thoughts and emotions that are coming against these things very dear to our hearts. Throw it off. It's interesting, it says throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you. It's interesting, we often focus on the sin part. You know, there's things that aren't sinful that are tripping us up. How about TV sometimes? The, the picture I get sometimes, and this is a picture in our culture. <clears throat> Remember, I, I kind of painted the picture when we encounter heaven in worship or in prayer, and we get, it's like we're so filled up with faith, and we step out, and Monday morning comes, and it's like, what happened? You know, it, I'm not walking the way I did the other day. <laughs> Just the picture I have, it. it's like this wet blanket that gets thrown on the fire. Where we, I feel like in American culture, we can get so distracted with work and, and, and just the cares of this world. These, these things that, yeah, we need to pay attention to. And, but, but at times, it, it can trip us up in a way where we think we need to give it more attention than we really need to. A common struggle with people have, and I was sharing with someone after the first service, is relationships. If we're throwing off, I think the New Testament also paints a big picture, is what are we putting on? When I'm around friends that fan my faith, I tend to run in faith. I don't know about you. If you get around me, and you're hungry for God, I'm going to blow on your faith. You will. It's not to toot my horn. I'm going to encourage you to take those steps of faith. I'm going to support you. I'm going to pray for you. We need, a lot of us, we have friends 
And I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we shouldn't interact with, with people who don't know the Lord or be an example. But so, so many of us were like in this passage that we read in Mark that the people at Jairus' home were weeping and wailing and crying when they should have been contending in faith. Jesus said, like, be quiet. He said, why are you crying? And they couldn't believe it. That was a joke. A lot of Christians are, those are Christians that the Bible's talking about. Sometimes I feel like non-Christians are more supportive of my radical missionary journey than actually the body of Christ, believe it or not. And that's not a rub on this church by any means. But sometimes, honestly, like we're wondering why, it's like we go around this cycle of faith to, to doubting. Like, have you made the changes in your life to stay in a position of faith? Because when this woman approached Jesus, she had to change the way she was walking. It wasn't just this nice little stroll. No, she had to like get some people out of the way. She had to change the way she walked. Jesus says earlier in um, Matthew, you know, narrow is the gate and narrow is the path that leads to salvation. I was once on a hike up in Wallace Falls. Maybe you've, you've been there out past Monroe, very popular hike, had my pack on. And they had a gate on this trail to like stop mountain bikes or dirt bikes or, or something. And I literally, to get, to continue on my journey, to get through this gate, I literally had to like completely change the way I was walking. And I think that's a picture in our life is, if we want to live a life radically for the Lord, full of faith, we may need to make some changes that will create greater opportunity for us to live in faith. Maybe those are relational changes. Maybe that's getting in a small group, getting around people who will, who will encourage you. Maybe it's more simple. It's something like just declaring certain scripture or, or, or definitely committing more time to prayer and to worship. But there is that, that, that call to like, even with Jairus, is like, you can, in this moment when he gets the bad report, you can bow to it like everyone else. Or you can choose to live differently and walk differently and come back to this home with me and we'll see what I will do. <laughs> That's our invitation, amen. Um, often when we, um, you know, I'm trying to, I try to make things practical, guys. So maybe it's a business circumstance. This is real life, right? This is us. It's not just for select people. You know, whether it's in our, our workplace or the dreams in our heart, the desires, when, when things seem so impossible, like maybe you have a spouse who's not following the Lord or there's a healing you haven't, you know, received yet. It's interesting, and there was such a time, you see the woman, it's 12 years, and then she, she sees the opposition in front of her to get her breakthrough. I think often the question we have for Jesus is, or maybe we don't ask him, but it's on our heart is, Jesus, are you willing? Like, do you care? Like, do you care? <laughs> like, these guys, guys, these... I don't know, I'm reading between the lines. I'm sure they've prayed a lot. 
I'm sure Jairus is a synagogue leader, probably has his own little prayer group at home, and, you know, he knows the scriptures probably. Like, they're spiritual people. I'm sure they've sought God. Those questions come, are you willing? But I think the question Jesus is asking us is, are you willing? Not that we haven't pressed in, but are you willing to risk it all to live this type of faith? Because we see here with both Jairus and this woman, it costs them greatly. As I shared earlier, John Wimber's faith, R-I-S-K. This woman was, to her to do this, like I said, probably risking death, at minimum great shame and humiliation. That's why when she actually, Jesus turned to her and said, who healed me? She's trembling, it says, in fear. She thinks she's getting a slap on the face. Of course, she gets an encounter with God instead. But it cost her something. Jairus, he had a good name, a good reputation. He was a man of good works, probably a good, you know, godly man. He was probably allied with the Pharisees. To approach Jesus was risking all of that. He had to lay down his good works. You know, he probably had like the books on like, you know, Danny Silk books on like how to raise a good family and, and all these things. And you can tell he's probably tried everything that a good person would. But he had to come to this place of absolute brokenness and desperation at the feet of Jesus. What was his first action? He humbled himself. That's the challenge in America. We got Jesus, but we also have a lot of other things we're leaning on. And there's nothing wrong with those other things, like I said, but sometimes they can hinder us. Sometimes, like this woman, the doctors don't heal us. Sometimes the self-help books aren't doing anything. Sometimes, you know, we've been doing everything we know and what we're trying and we have the business background or, or, or we're relying on this skill, but breakthrough seems still so far away. What's interesting with Jairus, I get the woman, I feel like she's more, she's poor. I mean, definitely at the end of her here she is, but I feel like they're kind of like two pictures where you got Jairus more well off, more together, and this woman who's kind of fallen apart. But it's interesting, halfway in this story, it's like they both are at the same place of absolute brokenness and desperation. Right? You can see when Jairus hears his daughter's bad news, he's like, you can imagine what, what's going on in his heart. And this woman's like, you're my only hope, Jesus. Gets the touch. That's... So my question is, is, is like, how much faith do you want to walk in? Because it will look foolish to our culture. I get a lot of flack for not working a job right now. You know, preaching the gospel. Let's forget the challenges of life. But preaching the gospel, healing people, taking steps of faith in your schools, taking a stand for Jesus when others aren't, that all takes great faith. And then we have the challenges of life that we all experience. You know, this is not uncommon for all of us. 
But the question is, how much faith do we want to walk in? I have a, just a story of, because I did share in January when I taught Wednesday night, I felt like there was a word for our families on, well, here we see there's a third person, and it's the daughter on her deathbed. And I felt like the Lord was trying to encourage parents here that you may have children that are on their spiritual deathbed, and it seems like they're too far or too gone. But Jesus wants to say, daughter, I say to you, rise. Just to encourage us, because sometimes this is very real for parents. I was praying with people after the first service. Some feeling that their, their children seem impossible right now to come to Christ. But when Jesus steps through the threshold, everything can change. Amen. But my story is growing up, I was, act, I was a missionary kid. My, par- my parents were radical. They moved to Hong Kong, you know. And they eventually transitioned and, you know, lived life as, as we all do. And when I was in middle and high school, the enemy just came and just, just knocked our family apart. And really just my dad really fell apart spiritually. And he's doing a lot better now, but it was a really hard time for him. And, and their marriage was rough. And my sister and I, we were, we, weren't, we were really struggling even up until I was out of high school. And it was interesting because if you can think, if you were a missionary... What would be one of your one hopes for your family? Probably that in the future, your kids would follow the Lord and your marriage would still be doing okay, right? I think we can all agree with that. It's interesting because that, <laughs> that didn't happen. It was, it was extremely dark and bleak for a long time. It was interesting because the backstory was my mom got right with God and started praying. My grandma started praying and it was interesting. They were like Jairus and um, this woman. They couldn't rely on their own flesh anymore. The counseling stopped working. The, uh, the books stopped working. VBS wasn't cutting it. Church wasn't happening. I went to youth group one time, read my book, read my Bible once in my entire teenage years. Then I get radically saved on an airplane. My whole family shifts. My sister gets saved eventually. Not just a little saved and like, oh, I'm going to church and I'm not sinning. No, I'm like full on radical for the Lord. Hopefully. It's interesting, guys, because my mom had a lot of their friends where their children were my age and they were a lot more churched, a lot more pure, quote unquote, a lot more together. They had a lot more to lean on, so to speak. But it's interesting, you fast forward now, I'm 35 now, I got saved when I was 19. It was like the kids who were the furthest gone are now the strongest in the faith. But those who were, seemed closer to God are now actually furthest. I think it's very fascinating. I'm trying to say is that we need to get to that... What, what worked for my mom and my grandma, they had nothing else to rely on except Jesus. It was absolute dependency and faith in him. Yes. Nothing else had worked. Nothing. Not, not that it was really, you know, bad necessarily, but, but it was purely Jesus at his feet, 
Lord, we're just trying to lay hold of the master's garment for her kids, just hoping that, that she would get that touch for her family that would shift everything. And it did. It did. <laughs> I don't think she realized what she was laying hold of, actually. But God moved powerfully in my family. And that's just the question for us. I think we have a lot of other lovers we can lean on, things that are even good. But Jesus said, would you lean on me? Would you place your faith in me? Would you take that next step of faith, whatever that looks like for you and your family? Are you willing to dream a little bigger? I feel like one of the great challenges in the American church is safe Christianity. When we think about faith, we think about challenge. The challenge with the American church is that she's not challenged. There's no pressure. There's no resistance. There's no, I mean, it is. That's the whole problem. That's like the big challenge is that they think there's no challenge. It's just Sunday morning and, you know, doing the little dance, doing the little show. Faith is challenging. <laughs> no other way put. It costs you something. It's a little scary at times. But I just want to put this in your heart. Are you willing to dream to take bigger steps of faith in your life? Maybe you do have real challenges in your life like Jairus and this woman did. It's choosing again to win that war in your mind. I think that's a practical step. But maybe some of you, you know, things are pretty good in your life. But I want to challenge you. This world needs to see faith expressed on the sidewalks and in our workplaces Will you take steps of faith to express Jesus to those around us? Yes. The, the, hard, the challenge with safe Christianity is you're not made for that. You're made to get out of the boat. You're made to walk on water. You're made to live radically abandoned to Jesus. I could speak a lot on that, but this is how you were designed and purposed for not just church life and Christian books, but seeing miracles, seeing impossibilities come to life, getting wisdom for your business, getting, you know, bringing people encounters. Maybe your life is pretty well right now, but you can be like my mom who will reach the master's garment for someone else. You will be like Jairus who will go after Jesus for his daughter, for his son. You can do it. You can be that person. And some of you think, oh, I don't have that faith, Daniel. I don't got that faith. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say, <laughs> you can speak to this mountain and say, go and it will be gone. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have that faith. You know, the beautiful thing about God's heart is if you if you really believe this is about the journey of faith, not just a moment, if you believe this is faithing, this is about a process, if you believe God thinks that too, then it changes your perspective of God's heart towards you. He's no longer focused on your doubts and your fears and your shortcomings. He now sees all the times that you believe, and he kind of ignores the doubts that you have bowed down to in, in times in your life. We see that throughout Scripture. Abraham, man of faith, 
like the man of faith. He had someone named Ishmael out of unbelief. Big mistake. We can relate. It was over 10 years waiting. He had to wait 15 more after that. Now Ishmael's people persecute Isaac's people. They try, they have, go to war. It's called the Arabs versus the Jews. <laughs> David, man of faith. Jesus, son of David. Whoa, God must love David. David, adultery, murder, complete rebellion. Kind of a bad dad at times, to be really honest. That was David. God looks at him and says, you're a man after my heart. He doesn't focus on the little, so often we beat ourselves up, don't we? We're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless right now. I'm discouraged. Yeah, maybe you are, but that's just God bringing awareness so you can step in in that place of trust with him. Maybe it's two steps forward, one step back, but I believe God sees those two steps forward. So often, guys, with, when we talk about this, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, guys, too, is this isn't about you going out and doing a lot of stuff. Okay, now I need to fast. I need to pray. I need to, like, do my war, get my warfare scriptures. You got the post-it notes on the mirror. You got, you got, like, the tattoos now, and, like, you're, like, you're, like, all happy. He's, like, amen. Nothing wrong with tattoos, in my opinion. So, but, but, like, it's, like, all the works, you know. That, guys, do you realize you couldn't believe if God didn't give you the belief? It's him. He does the heavy lifting. He does 99%. You do 1%. Or whatever that. You do the speck. You give him your mustard seed. He will take that and he will plant a beautiful tree. That's just who he is. This isn't, again, the point is, isn't a, a list of works to get into faith. It's positioning ourselves to get into a place of rest and trust, of being. So we're not shaken and moved. The enemy's got the rubber chicken tactic going. <laughs> Amen? Um, yeah, I'm going to close. Uh, Jeff, you can come up. In worship, I, I, I want to pray for some, since the second service, we can get a little more interactive too. Um, I want to pray for two groups, and then we'll have the ministry team can come up too. I had this picture of, uh, I f yeah, we're going to pray, and you're going to, if you want prayer, you can stand up, and we'll pray for you. So we can get our courage up, <laughs> get our faith up. I like doing that. Sometimes faith is saying, just standing up and saying, I need some prayer. That's called faith. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Sometimes it's very elementary almost. Um, I this picture. I feel like some people, you're in a desert season. It's dry. It's boring. It's been going on a long time. But I just felt like just to have faith that you're actually heading to the promised land. Then temptation is to measure yourself by what you came out of and what you're lacking right now. Like the Israelites, great example. They didn't have the food they wanted, the finances, the home, the houses, all these things God promised. But there was a promised land ahead of them. 
And it was a dry and weary land. It, it wasn't, it was just kind of them and God, and it, it really shook them, right? It really, they, they didn't, a whole generation actually didn't make it. I feel like some of you, you're in that desert season, and then, you know, the fight's up here, right, of discouragement, of despair, wondering, how long, God, how long, how much longer until I step into that place of fulfillment and satisfaction in you? How long until I step into the, the calling that you've spoken over me, that good land, that land of milk and honey? If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand. I want to pray, and we can really bless can you guys just stand up? We'll, just, we'll stand up. Thank you. Yeah. So if you're around them, you can pray. Just lay a hand. Um, yeah. Lord, we just bless these people. Bless them, Jesus. You're so proud of them, God. Yeah, you're so proud, Jesus. I know it's been a little dry, God. It's been so hard for them. they've been suffering for so long we just we just encourage them right now in the faith you are heading the right direction there is that promised land that land of of milk and and honey not that it's all good things in life but, but we just bless them Lord that you are proud of them that you are with them, that though they feel like you're far away and they're not where they need to be, Lord, I just thank you that it's closer than they think. We bless their faith, God, the faith of Caleb. Though he could wander 40 years in the desert, his faith wouldn't wane. His faith wouldn't wane, Jesus. Give him that simple faith. The prayer times may not be robust, the word may be dry as a bone. They may feel lifeless right now. But Lord, I pray they would have that, that quiet, confident faith in Jesus. That one thing, that belief, God. Release more faith. We just speak that increase right now into their spirit. Their circumstances may not change, but their faith is increasing right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Increase right now. We just... We thank you. Faith can come, Lord. Faith can come. Bring faith right now, Lord. We remove the shame, Lord. The measuring, the comparison. They see others in the promised land. They're not. They're in the backside of the desert still. No shame, Lord. No shame in Jesus' name. We throw it off right now. You are pleased with them. You are walking with them. You are walking them. You are leading them. You are guiding them. Like Jairus, you are walking them home. You are taking them by hand. You're not afraid, Lord. They've, they feel like they failed you. They've, they've, they've doubted. Lord, you are focusing 
on what they have done, all the times they've said yes, Jesus. Show them what they can do, Lord, practically to walk stronger. How they can walk through the desert stronger, Lord. Show them what they can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seat. The last group, um, yeah, we'll have the ministry team come up. I know probably a lot of people are Christians here. I just feel like that's what we are, but there's the third person in the stories, the, like I said, it's the girl. And I feel like, as I shared, I feel like there's people in our church that come to these meetings sometimes, and you're the girl. You're dead spiritually. Like it's, maybe you're coming with a friend, or you're, you're, um, um, you're just wondering. Maybe you're just trying, you're, you're, you're processing, you're dreaming. I just feel like God is saying, you know, it's time. It's time. It's, he, he's speaking that word. He's declaring it's time to rise up. It's like he takes your hand, but you, you know, you also have to take it, right? To come up out of your deathbed, to, to come alive spiritually and to live the life that God has preordained for you. We're going to transition to more prayer, but if that's you, you need to take that step of faith. You can come to our ministry team to receive prayer. Amen? Amen. Lord, I just bless everyone here. I thank you. This is a practical word. I pray, Lord, right now, I pray angry Christians, Lord, that they would get the enemy off their throat, that they would, they would, they would like it says in, in, in Romans that, 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 the, that may the God of peace soon crush Satan underneath your feet, that there would be that crushing, Lord. There would be that, that just they'd get the, just, the, just the, his hand off of their neck, Lord, right now. Throw it off in Jesus' name. Lord, I bless this, this group, Lord. This church, we are a church that knows how to press in in hard times. We are a church who knows how to, how to lay hold of Jesus and not just head home halfway, halfway in faith, giving up halfway in doubt, Lord. Stir our faith for the impossible, God. Stir our faith. I pray your just conviction right now, Lord. If there's anything we need to do differently in our lives, let it be known, Lord. What, let it be known, Lord. Whatever we need to throw off, let it be known now. Maybe we need, to, we need to throw off some friendships that are doing us no good. Maybe there's a sin habit we need to break and we need to confess to others. Whatever it is, God, I pray you would, you would share it. In Jesus' name, Lord, I bless everyone here, Lord. I pray they would feel your encouragement. For all of us, Lord, young in the faith, old in the faith, let us see Jesus, the one who walks on water. Let us hear the invitation. Let us be the one who asks Jesus, Lord, I want to walk with you. I don't want to just stay in the boat of comfort. I want to be a Christian who walks on water. In Jesus' name, Lord, stir our faith, God. Amen. Thank you, guys. Come up and get prayer if you need it.